from the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. I'm Graham VK4 Baker Baker. This is the WIA National News for week commencing August 28, 2011. International Lighthouse Lightship Weekend. Kevin, VK2CE, the event organiser, has sent a personal congratulation to all VK amateurs who participated in this year's event. In 1998, four Australian stations in what was then a very young event last weekend saw some 66 stations registered, with possibly others on the air who did not send in an entry form. Australia has around 400 lighthouses which qualify for the event, which means some 17% of our lights were on air. Some of these lighthouses are in remote locations and require some expenditure and effort to get there and set up a station. For example, there was a VK3 ham who went to King Island, another amateur walked a long way to get to Wilson's Promontory Lighthouse, and no doubt there are others who can speak of similar feats. Kevin singled out Jim Linton, VK3PC, for his untiring efforts to promote this event both here and overseas, and hopes to see you all again next year and bring a friend. The Australian Communications and Media Authority has released a discussion paper signalling its intention to develop a long-term strategy for the sustainable siting of satellite earth stations. The ACMA paper considers the potential options for the siting of earth stations into the future by taking a band-by-band approach to the identification of the challenges of using each space frequency band up to 20 gigs. The band-by-band assessment primarily focuses on Earth-received bands, including radio astronomy. Now a special request from NZ Infoline. They've received a request from the son of a silent key, and hopefully somebody will be able to help. And if so, please contact Dave directly on the address which you'll find when you get the print edition of this news from wia.org.au. It would seem that the Silent Key was an avid ham operator in the late 40s and 50s until he was drowned in a boating accident in 1957. His call sign? Zulu Lima 1 Mike Golf, ZL1MG. Dave, his son, remembers he had a lot of QSL cards from other operators and he sent out quite a few as well. Well, Dave was wondering if any listener would happen to have one of his father's original ZL1MG card. The Chicago Sun-Times reports on two radio amateurs, Dorothy N9ALC and Bob W9LNQ, who have just celebrated their 70th wedding anniversary. Bob got his ham licence in 38, while Dorothy got hers in 1958. PS VK2 Alpha Papa Quebec will visit VK2 WI Broadcast Centre at Dural Sunday, September 4. He plans to arrive in time for the broadcast and callbacks, and listeners are invited to join Amateur Radio New South Wales and PS After for a barbecue lunch. PS VK2 APQ celebrated his 100th birthday the 14th of this month. Hornsby and District Amateur Radio Club, Saturday the 1st of October, will be holding an examination and assessment session for all grades of licence. If you wish to attend, contact this number. It's 02-9487-3383. Logo of the Century is launched. Now featured on the Amateur Radio Victoria website, that's amateurradio.com.au, 
is the celebratory logo for the organisation's 100th birthday. It featured also in the world's first digital amateur television CUSO party held this weekend. And for those who have their MP3 players video screen activated for this podcast and or WIA News audio files, you'll see it front and centre. The new logo, with its star over the horizon element, is also to appear on the QSL cards and the Amateur Radio Victoria Centenary Award. The Sunshine Coast Amateur Radio Club's annual Hamfest, Sunfest 2011, is an event for amateur radio operators, CB radio users, along with all radio and electronics enthusiasts. The doors open at 0900 hours Saturday the 10th of September at the Wombai School of Arts Hall in Blackall Street, VK4. Only last week I telephoned the president of the Townsville Amateur Radio Club to arrange some audio recordings pertaining to the up-and-coming Far North Queensland Amateur Radio Convention. Just a couple of days after, the president, Richard VK4FRJG, suffered a heart attack at home. Now, VK4FRJG is very lucky in that his daughter Renee, an intensive care nurse stationed at the Townsville Hospital, was home with him at the time and able to do everything possible to ensure Richard's survival. Down the map of Australia we go. We get to the Cradle Coast Amateur Radio Club, who has its first life member. Maurice, VK7 Zulu Mike Romeo, was granted life membership to the club recently and pleasantly surprised when he was presented with this life membership certificate. Congratulations, Maurice. Persons in the northwest area of VK7 interested in training and assessments for all classes of amateur radio licences are advised that the club can provide those requirements and much, much more. For information, contact the club's learning organiser, Tony VK7AX, or the club, and contact details can be found on the club website, and you'll find that under the WIA site under VK7 Clubs, wia.org.au, and look at clubs. If you're interested in undertaking an amateur radio exam or training, and this could be for foundation, standard, advanced, regs or practical, and are in the south of VK7, then contact Reg VK7KK on 0417-391-607. I'm Richard VK2SKY and you're listening to WIA National News in New South Wales via VK2WI Sydney on most amateur bands from 160 metres through to 23 centimetres and on the 60 metre band on a frequency of 5425 kilohertz upper sideband. This is Michael Owen, VK3KI. Peter Young, VK3MV, has resigned as a director of the WIA, wishing to reduce his commitments. However, the board is delighted that Peter will continue to be deeply involved with the WIA's work with the ACMA and government generally. Under the WIA constitution, the board is obliged to appoint a new director for the balance of a retiring director's term. The board has appointed Trent Sampson, VK4TI, as a director for the balance of Peter's term. Trent was first licensed as a result of the CB boom in the 70s as VK2NDK and VK2YHA in Tamworth, New South Wales, and then progressed through a series of call signs VK2 
KTS VK2ZI moving to, to Queensland in 1999 with his current call sign VK4TI. Trent is a keen contester and a member of the VK Contest Club and is on the contest committee for the Oceana DX Contest as well as being the manager of the VK Shires Contest. Trent is an insurance advisor and is also a qualified financial planner. We welcome Trent to the board of the Wireless Institute. Not a sound to be heard. We pause and remember another silent key. As most would be aware, we seldom announce silent keys during the national news, unless that amateur was extremely well known right across Australia. This silent key, however, is probably only well known in Sydney, maybe the VK2 area itself, but his achievements, ham radio-wise, personify a legacy passed down since ham radio commenced, that of providing services to other like-minded hams at no charge, utilising his workplace facilities. This amateur was just 34 years of age when he succumbed to a heart attack. Lee Norrish VK2 TLN. For the amateur radio community, Lee Norrish leaves behind a massive legacy and equal uncertainty among the 70 centimetre community in Sydney. Lee Norrish was the key person responsible for an exceptional 70 centimetre repeater network which flourished across Sydney over the last few years. His point access to the best commercial RF sites in Sydney enabled him to slip into place a mixture of linked amateur repeaters and voting receivers at Horsley Park, Currajong Heights, Hurstville, Carlingford, Campbelltown, Razorback and the crown jewel of them all, Governor Philip Tower. The result is a remarkable contribution to the Sydney 70 centimetre community and with more sites believed to be still in the pipeline, a magic era in 70 centimetre repeater experimentation appears lost. Governor Philip Tower stands as a monument, as a powerful reminder of Lee's vision for a peerless 70 centimetre repeater network for the amateur community. Lee had been very active in assisting volunteer groups, including St John's Ambulance, Lee Norrish, VK2TLN, you will be missed. Produced by Q News for the WIA, this is the National News Service, relayed throughout Australia and originates from VK1WIA. Now to international news. I'm Jason, VK2LAW. Slovakia gets 150 kHz wide, 5 MHz band. Slovak radio amateurs are now allowed to use the entire band, 5258.5 to 5410 kHz for experimental purposes with a maximum power of 100 watts ERP and the Slovakian licenses are valid for one year. Mars rover opportunity ordered by radio to Spirit Point. NASA's Mars Exploration Rover Opportunity will revisit the rim of Endeavour Crater on Mars, where its rover Twin Spirit finished its six-year-long mission in May. The rover's scientific research vehicles had completed their three-month prime missions on Mars in April 2004. Both went on to extended missions, 
and in the process each made important discoveries about the environment on ancient Mars, which suggested the possibility for microbial life on the Red Planet. Driving commands sent by radio to Opportunity directed the rover to make its final push towards Endeavour Crater. This 14-mile-wide depression near the Martian equator could be the research vehicle's final destination. The target for Opportunity is a site on the rim of the Endeavour Crater named Spirit Point. It was given that designation by the Mars rover controllers in the honour of Opportunity's lost twin. EI amateurs allowed 1500 watts for contests. A few months ago the Irish Radio Transmitter Society announced that after some two years of negotiations, Irish regulator Comreg has agreed that EI licensees would be allowed to run high power in specified contests. Consequently, suitably equipped Irish contesters are now able to run 1500 watts in major HF contests and 1000 watts in VHF UHF contests. Interestingly, the increased power limit applies to the whole of the 160 metre band, but curiously, not the 10 metre band. Some words of congratulations to Dr Larry Price, W4RA, on his being named ARRL President Emeritus. Dr Price served as the league's president from 1984 to 1992. And previous to that, he was the vice director, director and vice president of the ARRL Board of Directors. He also served for 10 years as secretary of the International Amateur Radio Union and another 10 years at that organization's president. In fact, Dr. Price continues to serve the IARU as an expert consultant. He's been recognized as President Emeritus by the IARU's Administrative Council. The naming of W4RA as the ARRL President Emeritus was made in celebration of his ongoing dedication to the amateur radio service and in recognition of his 60th anniversary as a radio amateur. Call this a sign of the times according to news reports. The Ford Motor Company is eliminating CD players in its new United States vehicle models and opting instead to install USB sockets for iPods and other digital music players. Ford notes that all of its cars will have a computer hub which will allow drivers to access their music libraries from the Internet. And finally this week, the tale of the ticking box. It seems that postal workers noticed a ticking noise coming from the package around 5.30 in the morning. Fearing the worst, the Portage Police, along with the Kalamazoo Department of Public Safety's bomb squad, were called in to investigate and the post office was evacuated. In this case, authorities were able to get in contact with the owner of the package, who told police that there was nothing more than an electronic metronome inside. Even so, Prior to the employees being allowed back inside the building, the bomb squad went in to remove the package. Upon investigation, the bomb squad personnel didn't find anything more than an electronic metronome inside the package. Postal workers were allowed back into the post office just before 8 a.m. And all this comes with a few words of advice. If you plan to mail a metronome, a clock, or anything that makes ticking noises... Take out the batteries before you ship it. <laughs> that way you can save your community thousands of dollars spent on an unneeded emergency response and save you a lot of grief. You're tuned to VK1 WIA News. This news broadcast can be heard on linked repeaters VK6 AUF Perth 438.525 and VK6 RMS Mount Saddleback 147.250 Sundays. 9am and 7pm. I'm Trevor, VK6YJ.
News, talk and radio sport. Here with VK1 WIA. Operational news, I'm Felix, VK4 FUQ. Special events and on-air contest column, Dateline 2011. August 27 and 28, Alara Wild Contest. October 22, WIA Jack Files Contest. November 26 and 27, WIA Spring VHF UHF Field Day. 2012. January, VK Ross Hull Memorial VHF UHF Contest. March 17 and 18, VK John Moyle Memorial Field Day. June Long Weekend, VK Four Time, VK Shires Contest. July, Full First Weekend, NZART Memorial Contest. RD Contest. Please make a note that there is only one email address to send your completed RD log to, and that is the one shown on the WIA Contest page. rdlogs at wia.org.au If you send it to any other email address, it will end up in cyberspace. rdlogs at wia.org.au IARU Region 1 in Sun City On contesting, the meeting agreed that the CW contest preferred segment from 7000 to 7025 kHz is withdrawn from the Region 1 band plan. All societies should encourage contest organisers to include a rule that restricts contest activity to a limited frequency range within the CW allocation. The choice of frequency segment is left to the discretion of the contest organisers, but should take into account expected activity levels and show consideration for non-contest operation. Special event stations, DX and Beacon and Net Advice. For rugby enthusiasts, look out for ZL4AUGBY, operated by ZL4PW now until October 31st. This is to celebrate the 2011 Rugby World Cup being played in New Zealand. The special events station, GB4BAB, will be active from September 1 to 20 each year to celebrate the Battle of Britain. Look for special events station GB4BOB next month. QSL via the Bureau or direct to G0BPK. 4W6A will be QRE from Ataro Island, IOTA, OC232, East Timor, from 16 to 26 September. All bands 10 to 160 metres, CW, SSB and RITI. QSL manager is M0URX, direct, via the Bureau or LOTW. More from the IARU Region 1 conference held in Sun City is that the DX Code of Conduct was approved and operators are urged to support it. John VK2JJW has that code. I will listen and listen and then listen again before calling. I will only call if I can copy the DX station properly. I will not trust the DX cluster and will be sure of the DX station's call sign before calling. I will not interfere with the DX station nor anyone calling and will never tune up on the DX frequency or in the QSX slot. I will wait for the DX station to end the contact before I call. I will always send my full call sign. I will call and then listen for a reasonable interval. I will not call continuously. I will not transmit when the DX operator calls another call sign, not mine. I will not transmit when the DX operator queries a call sign, not like mine. I will not transmit when the DX station requests geographic areas other than mine. When the DX operator calls me, 
I will not repeat my call sign unless I think he's copied it incorrectly. I will be thankful if and when I do make a contact. I will respect my fellow radio amateurs and conduct myself so as to earn their respect. The Q News Workbench, the Nuts and Volts Report, on Col VK3LED. Heathkit says it's returning to the kit supply marketplace. Heathkit says it's re-entering the kit business that it abandoned almost two decades ago. In an announcement posted to its Heathkit.com website, Heathkit Educational Systems, which is the current name for the company, states that in late August the company debuted its new line of do-it-yourself kits for common around-the-house items. Don't look for ham radio gear to be a top priority, even though the word on the street is that kits for the amateur radio market may be down the road. Right now, the company is starting off with more general interest kits, with their first entry being a garage parking assistant, or GPA for short. The garage parking assistant lets people build their own systems that uses ultrasonic sound to locate a car as it enters the garage. The system signals to the driver using LED lights mounted on the wall when the car is detected and in the perfect spot for parking. Next on the market will be a wireless swimming pool monitor kit, followed by many more novel items. For those of you too young to remember, it was on March 30, 1992 that the then managers of Heathkit announced that after some 45 years, the company was closing out its kits and leaving the business. So why has Heathkit decided to re-enter the kit market? To hazard a guess, you have to remember that the current incarnation of Heathkit is an educational materials supplier. As such, it has likely taken notice of the burgeoning maker and hacker community. This is an ever-expanding group of technology hobbyists worldwide that in recent years has grown into a multi-million dollar business opportunity for those smart enough to recognize it and are ready to fill the void. These are also the people that many believe will be the next generation of technology leaders and radio amateurs. From the WIA News Hub in Queensland and WIA News Studios across Australia, this is the National News Service, relayed by VK1 WIA. In Media Watch today, it's to VK3 Popper Victor with a look at September's AR magazine and we take a look at ourselves. A new 40-metre retransmission of this news is on the air. 7.088 at 0000 hours Sunday mornings, that's noon West Australian time, and Bunbury Radio Club VK6 Bravo Romeo Charlie is the call sign. Barry VK6 WF, a white stick operator, is putting this all together and sure would like you to have a listen for him. 7.088 at 0000 hours UTC or noon West Australian time. Now, Barry's personal call of VK6WF is a very famous call indeed in the West, the first broadcast station, and it was for a long time also on Longwave, was called 6WF for Australian Farmers. The original 6WF was also one of the first stations in the world to experiment with what was termed then as plastic radio. It would appear plastic radio was what we now call stereo. They broadcast one channel on medium wave, the other on short wave. And the station is now an ABC station and courtesy of the ABC website, let's go back in time to 1924 before picking up with Barry Robinson. 
Stand by to receive broadcast concerts from 6WF on 1250 meters wavelength. Many a year ago, we rode It's Wednesday, 4th of June, 1924. The time is 7.55 p.m. A sonora gramophone is playing tune-in music preparatory to the opening of the first broadcasting system of wireless telephony in Western Australia. Installed by the Australian Farmers Limited at a cost of approximately £12,000 with a broadcasting capacity of 600 miles. The ceremony is to be performed at 8 o'clock by the Premier, Mr Phil Collier, who, in fact, has just been introduced by the Managing Director of Australian Farmers Limited, Mr Basil Murray and is, presumably, the first politician to be heard on West Australian air. To Wyndham in the north, owners of small receiving sets will be able to listen in and enjoy all that can be offered by great cities in the way of music, singing, lectures, or in any other form of entertainment. This is a wonderful science. A look inside Amateur Radio magazine. Editor Peter Freeman, VK3PF, reflects on the flood of historical articles that has caused a headache, with others needing to be delayed. The Publications Committee needs more input. WIA President Michael Owen, VK3KI, touches on station inspections and possession. Well worth reading, as the WIA wants to ensure that the ACMA activity does not become a barrier to legitimate amateur activities. The technical articles are building 200-watt bandpass filters by Roderick Wall of VK3YC. The simple soft-defined radio from Peter Parker, VK3YE. And the simple tuning indicator for a 100-watt HF transmitter by Warren Sterling, VK3XSW. The WIA historian Peter Wolfenden, VK3RV, gives us an expose on 100-year-old honorary life member of the WIA, Pierce Healy, VK2APQ. There's Gibbs Tech 2011, a personal view from Roger Harrison, VK2ZRH. You will find the regular columns of Alara, AMSAT, Contest, DX News and Views, and spotlighting on SWLing. Amateur Radio Magazine, a WIA membership service that's also available at selected newsagents. I'm Barry Robinson, VK3 Papa Victor, and you're listening to VK1WIA. Good morning, this is Robert, VK3DN, with this week's Worldwide Special Interest Group News. Worldwide Special Interest Group's Rescue Radio. The 7th GARA Conference at Sun City has been regarded as a resounding success. The contributions from various delegates were informative, varied and interesting. The South African contributions came from Eddie Layton, ZS6BNE, who discussed the advantages of going digital. This is a subject that will be looked at in more detail as propagation problems persist. The other contribution came from Craig Lambinian, who heads up the National Sea Rescue Institute, NSRI. At the end of his presentation, it was agreed in principle that Hamnet and NSRI will be looking at a closer working relationship. The next GARC will take place in Kuala Lumpur and Malaysia in 2012. Worldwide Special Interest Groups Military Bletchley Park's annual Armed Forces Weekend will take place on Saturday the 3rd and Sunday the 4th of September and Amateur Radio will be there. Celebrating the role of armed forces throughout history, and in particular the role of the cadet forces 
the two-day weekend event will look at how Bletchley Park assisted the armed forces during World War II. Other activities during the weekend will be displayed by the Vintage Military Amateur Radio Society of radio equipment spanning the last 100 years, showing how communication in the armed forces has changed over time and become ever more vital. Finally, the lowdown in the news, IIRU Region 1 in Sun City. It was agreed at the recently held IIRU conference in South Africa that at further ITU World Radio Conferences, they should seek to expand the International Amateur Radio 160 metre band from its present low end of 1810 kHz to 1800 kHz in ITU Region 1. IIRU should also try to obtain a secondary allocation for amateur radio between 1850 and 2000 kHz. Well, that's all I have for you this week. This has been Robert, VK3DN, reporting from Melbourne. Here's the end of the WIA National News for week commencing August 28, 2011. Don't forget, if you have a story that you'd like to share with us, we much prefer it in audio, but if not, just send us the text. Now, to send us the text, write it as you would expect to hear it being read back and send that to nationalnews at wia.org.au. If you do have audio that you're sending, then don't send the audio by email. Use the uploader, which is on the WIA news page at wia.org.au, and always file your story in there, and put in your own call sign as part of the file name. All those details are found when you go to wia.org.au and read this week's news page and over on the left hand side you'll see the links to upload or subscribe for news stories that's it we're out of here i'm graham vk4bb walk softly in the nation's capital with amateur radio news from across the globe this has been the wia national news service local news and callbacks follow on most affiliates we'd appreciate you checking in vk1wia We've reported, you decide.